Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Bruni after just a crazy result in this uh, UNT men's basketball game. How are you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great now. I mean, you should have heard how loud I yelled when Tyler was <laughs> like, when, when the When that shot went in, I, I can't remember the last time I've yelled that loud. So just, yeah, thank you to Tyler Perry because that was a lot of fun. Oh, man, just just a crazy shot. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I'm sure if somebody's listening to this podcast, they've seen the game. But if you haven't, UNT beats UAB 58-57 in Birmingham. And Tyler Perry hits, uh, you know, yet another game-winning three-pointer late in the game like he did against Louisiana Tech. He hits another one here with two seconds to go against UAB to get it done. And to give North Texas the 12th straight win on the year somehow, some way, they've lost once since Thanksgiving still, really overcoming all the odds in this one. Because I felt like when they were down six with like two minutes to go, it felt like it was kind of over at that point. But they found a way to somehow get it done. And uh, yeah, just just an insane game to watch. Yeah, because North Texas goes up uh, in the first half. It was kind of a back and forth type game. Um North Texas is up, let's say they were up 19 to 14 and then UAB fights back and it just goes, you know, back and forth. And then, but in the second half, it felt like UAB was in control for the most part. It felt like UAB's size had worn down North Texas. They kind of figured it out. And honestly, I think all that's true. I think they completely kind of uh, nullified most of what North, North Texas wanted to do as far as their ball movement stuff, their dribble penetration stuff. Uh, offensive rebounds for North Texas. They ended up with eight, but it felt like they just struggled in that area a lot. Um, And lo and behold, I mean, we'll talk about Tyler a ton, but I mean, Tyler Perry is really the only reason they won this game, in my opinion. Like, I I can give credit to a lot of other players, yes, um, and we'll talk about the players, but I mean, he is the only offense they had in the second half, pretty much. Like, even when it seemed like UAB was going to pull away, Tyler just kept making shots, making shots, making plays. And even that Drez three, even the three that Drez hit late at the top of the key, which was huge, Tyler created that. He he came off a screen, uh, did a little uh, hesitation, and then got to the paint and kicked it out to Drez for the top of the key for three. And it's just like, this was just, the Tyler Perry game. And it was the most Javion Hamlet Tyler Perry game that I can remember this year. And I mean, then the best way possible, because this was all him. Just what an, what an amazing performance from him. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this was, this is the Tyler Perry that you get when he's like full on aggressive mode, knowing he's the guy that has to score because naturally he's an unselfish player. He wants to get other guys involved. But in a game like this, you just could see him sort of flip that switch and be like, all right, I know what I got to do. I got to put these guys on my back. And sure enough, I mean, he hits those last two threes within the last 20 seconds of the game to get the job done. Just absurd. And both of them were basically from the same spot, too, which was even crazier because I felt like I was kind of getting deja vu on the second one when he hit that over uh, over Jemison when they got the switch on him. But, um, man, I mean, yeah. And I, I wanted to mention, too, like, now UNT 20 and four on the year, 13 and one in conference USA. Like they're three games up on UAB and Louisiana tech. Now tech was destroying UTSA earlier. So they're going to stay three games back, but like 
UNT firmly in control with four games to go, uh, not only of the West, but really, you know, of the conference in terms of record wise. So just yeah. crazy, um, you know, how they've been here. I will say UAB definitely let North Texas back into this game a little bit with some of those missed free throws late in the game. Like not only does, I don't remember if it was Lovin or Jackson, but one of them missed that first free throw and then Buffin gets an offensive rebound there. And I was like, Oh man, North Texas mm -hmm. just blew its chance right there. But then Buffin goes and only makes one of two. So UNT, you know, has a chance to go down and win the game. But when, when UAB missed the, uh, um, got that offensive rebound off the missed free throw, I, I didn't think it looked very good for UNT at all. Yeah. And th that's the whole thing with, with UAB is we don't, I don't, at least I still kind of hang over from last year. I don't expect them to come out and shoot the ball at a high level. And, I say that, but they are that's the biggest difference from last from last year to this year, right? The fact they have Jelly Walker that can shoot the ball. And I said I would never call him Jelly Walker again. Jordan Walker. <laughs> um uh Jordan Walker, the fact that he just comes out and can get hot at any time, they're still shooting the ball pretty I know that early in the season they were like over 40% in conference play. They've dipped down to like 36.7%. From the free throw line, they're fourth in the conference, 77%. And that's kind of what allowed North Texas to stay in the game was the their free throw shooting. But I, I want to, the last thing I think I'll say about Tyler, I mean, at least for now was all of his shots. He goes six of nine from three and all of those threes pretty much were either deep or they were off the dribble. Like yeah. with a guy on him, Michael Earl, he drops Michael Earl steps back, hit a three. Oh, like I, he had um, Tavin Lovin on him for a bit. Like he had just a, a, a myriad of defenders on him. Yeah. And he just continued to just either step back or completely cross over his guy and and then step back and get separation that way. And he we have to remember he's he's not tall. He's like, like what five eleven? Yeah, like five eleven maybe. Like this is a dude to get his shot off the way he's getting it off is incredible. Like the Jemison three is already incredible. And post game he was just like, yeah, he had his hands down. I was like, in my head, I'm like, it doesn't matter. He's seven feet tall standing in front of you. Like, how do you look at him and just be like, oh, I'm just gonna hit this right over him. And he got fouled. Yeah. Like th this dude is unbelievable. I tweeted out and we'll we, I want to get big big picture stuff later, but like I tweeted out conference player of the year and like at this point if if North Texas continues at this rate, I don't see how he's not yeah so i mean that that's what a, what a just what an unreal win because to be to be completely honest uab probably outplayed them oh like, yeah in the second half like I, I really don't think north texas was like oh this is a north texas win that like establishes them as like they're gonna run through the conference tournament now because nobody can stop them i don't i still like uab is still the team that if they meet in the conference tournament i'm gonna be like that's gonna be tough like I'm still a hundred percent on that, on that train, but to get this win, you, you mentioned it to go three games up on everybody in the conference to kind of, and I don't want to jinx anything, knock on wood. I don't believe in jinxes, but I mean, to kind of just ensure the conference championship right here, like how else do you want to do it? Like what an incredibly gritty gutty win from this team. I just, I don't have anything more to say about, about that. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, like you said, it was just insane. I do have a couple other guys I want to mention. Um, first off is Abu, because he's been, really the last couple games, he's been kind of an interesting guy where 
it feels like early in games, I don't know if it's nerves or what it is, but he misses some of those shots that normally he hits early in games. And then he's come out in the second halves and just been like on fire starting out the second halves. I'd love to go do the numbers on it, but it feels like he doesn't miss a shot in the first few minutes of the second half, the last two nights, because, uh, you know, he had a rough start to this game, but he comes out early in the second half and gets like two or three baskets there early. He ends up nine points and nine rebounds, which doesn't like hop off the page crazy, but in a game where Thomas Bell was, you know, unplayable, basically, uh, Abu was huge in this one. So he was one guy that really popped out. And then Aaron Scott had some really good minutes too. Again, with Thomas Bell being like your third forward who couldn't really like they played him some, but he ends up fouling out of the game. I think he was only in like 18 minutes. So Aaron Scott and Abu really both stepped up. Aaron Scott goes four points, six boards. And Aaron Scott was finishing at the rim better than Thomas Bell in this game, which I don't know that I would have ever like coming into the season. I don't know that I ever would have guessed that would have been the case, but big games from Scott and Abu. Yeah. the Abu played 37 minutes, man. Yeah, that's incredible. Like how far he's come over the past year. Like imagine him. He couldn't even play 17 minutes last year. Like there were just stretches where he was like panting on the court because he was so tired. Now, because Thomas goes down and they can't go to that like Thomas um, uh, Scott lineup, they end up having to play Abu 37 minutes. And like you said, plug in Aaron Scott for for the rest of those minutes that Abu or that Thomas wasn't able to play. And while Trey Jimison is a huge, huge problem for this team, like he is, make no mistake about it, he is one of, if not the Achilles heel of this team. Um, in my opinion, over the past two years, he's proven that, like with UAB, the problems that they've given them, Trey Jimison is a huge problem. For Abu to go toe to toe with him now at this point, I mean, this that this was an incredibly impressive performance from him because, like, you think about it, Zach Simmons wasn't even even able to really bang with Trey Jimison that effectively. Yeah. But, I mean, Abu stepped up, and I, I still can't believe he played 37 minutes. Looking at that now, it's just nuts. Insane. Well, and I, I, you wanted, I wanted to touch on what you mentioned about Zach Simmons struggling because, like, UAB has been this team's kryptonite. Like, the last three times they've played, UAB has won every single time. Yep. And North Texas found, found a way to get it done. I mean – Tyler Perry finds a way to get them a win over UAB in Birmingham at that, where UAB had not lost all season, like j just insane. And really one of the wild stats to me about this series is now the road team has won each of the last eight games between these two teams. <laughs> and seven of those have been under McCasland. So like, it, yeah. it's just absurd to me that, I mean, this series just kind of defies logic in that way because you've got two really good teams who you would think generally would play better at home, but the road team always seems to find a way to get it done, and North Texas kept that trend going today. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the FAU game real quick before we get into Yeah, we, we can definitely touch on that FAU. That was an interesting game as well. Oh, man, was it? Uh, first, I mean, my main takeaway from that was just like it was such a physical game. That's one of the most physical college basketball games I've watched in a while. Just everybody was banging around down low, even just diving for loose balls and all that stuff. Super physical. UNT gets the win 54 to 51. And really, FAU had its chances to win the game late. They had a late yep. uh, three pointer that was wide open that missed. Thomas Bell missed a free throw in that game, which, oh, man. Every time he went to the line in that game, he missed one of two free throws, which is just crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> it yeah. really is not a good weekend for Thomas Bell. I'll say that. But UNT found a way to finish off the job against FAU some way. 
They were only up 52-50 with 17.3 seconds left and turned the ball over on an inbound pass. So FAU got a shot in the lane to tie it, but that missed too. FAU had a 10-game home winning streak going, and really they're ridiculously good on their home floor. They average like 11 more points per game and like shoot 6% better from the field at home. Seven of their nine 80-point games this year have come at home, but UNT found a way to really slow that offense down. And on a night where UNT wasn't shooting the ball well enough, found a way to get it done. Yeah. I, I bring up the FAU game because last week, or whenever we did the last podcast, whenever we did that, um, I was just like, they need to just split these two. Yeah. Just, just find a way to get through these two games. Just split them, and you'll be sitting at two losses, and everything's going to be fine. Like, you just take care of business the rest of, rest of the way. You go like 16 and two, 15 and three. I can't, and I've I've yelled this on the podcast not to take this for granted, but like how difficult it is to do what they just did to yeah. win both of these games. Like a like the the UAB game, like I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but like the, the probability on ESPN where it's just like oh dude, it was like it was like eighty six percent to UAB at one point. Yeah. So for that one, that one's already like very very unlikely. But to pull out two wins like this, like sure, part of it's luck, of course, but they stayed in every game like UAB went on that run and the home crowd starting into it and it was like okay I don't know if North Tech's gonna do it yeah and they and then Tyler missed the front end of a one and one remember that I think yeah. they were down six and he missed the front end of one and one I said that's game there's they they cannot overcome it if if he misses that he missed it they get a stop he comes down and kicks it to Drez they get the three there I think that's what it was um maybe I have the order messed up but that's what it in, in my head that's what it was and so yeah I mean, to get these two wins is unreal. Like, it might be outside of, like, for a regular season stretch, two-game stretch, I can't – I'll have to go back and look, but, like, I don't know if there's many other two-game stretches that compare to this one in the McCaslin era. No, it's – yeah, it's it's insane. And, again, like, the UAB game we've talked about on North Texas probably got outplayed for at least the second half and really the majority of the game and found a way to get it done. That FAU game, they really didn't play great either, but – as we've said before, this team almost defies logic in the way that they just always seem to find a way to win, especially during this win streak, which like 12 games in a row, and I believe it's 18 of their last 19 now, is just like, that. that's unheard of almost across the country. Like there's very few teams ever that are able to do what North Texas is doing right now. So it, it's just insane to see. Um, man, North, man. North, North Texas is up to 20th, or I'm sorry, 40, 42 in Ken Palm, 20th yeah. in defensive efficiency, 95th in offense. I mean, they are number one in the conference in three-point percentage still, number one in three-point percentage defense still. And that's what I thought the whole time against UAB. I was like, they need to shoot the ball better because in the paint, they don't have the advantage that they usually have, right? KJ Buffin's a big dude. Jemison's a big dude. Jackson's a long athlete. LeBlanc's a big guy. Yeah, they, they were lucky that. LeBlanc wasn't available for this one for sure. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the I was looking at the last box score, but yeah. um, they're just a bigger team, and so I was like, okay, well, where does North Texas have the advantage? They are plus forty percent three point shooting team on the year, and that's where I was like, they need to be able to do that. And really, it was only Tyler, so I can't say that I was right, but like that ended up being the difference is the three point shooting against UAB. You have to kind of stretch them out to a degree. I mean, we saw Rice and Marshall beat them, and I know Marshall was like. A complete one-off weird game but like oh man that's just like what uab does right they they clamp down the paint they, they're big dudes and 
I think North Texas three point shooting can be something that they hold on to, even though it, tonight it was only Tyler, like Drez and Ruben, and even maybe JJ moving forward. I think just looking at a potential future matchup, I like uh, North Texas in in that regard. No, I I completely agree with that. And then I mean, if the one critique really is just they've got to be able to shoot free throws better. Like even in this one, 10 of 16 was like fine, but you really want them to be closer to 70% on the year or at least in games like this. 10 of 16 you, is what? Like 63? It's 62.5%. So it's not great. It's not awful either. I mean, it's not. No, that's, that's awful. That's awful. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't roll. Okay. They're shooting 62.3% in conference plays. So yeah. technically that's above average, but. <laughs> Yeah, but they're like 320th in the nation out of 350 teams for the year. Like the free throw shooting, I don't understand how it's as bad as it is. And clearly, like we said, like even Tyler Perry ended up missing a couple in this game. And he's the one guy you felt like you could count on hitting free throws. So, I mean, there's just something with this team right now. I don't know what it is that they need to do to get to where they're hitting free throws more consistently. Obviously, having the right guys at the line always helps, but like, Drez goes two for four today. Abu goes one of two, and you can't really expect Abu to be much better than 50%. You would hope that Drez could be with the kind of shooter he is, but, I mean, yeah, the free throws are still a big concern moving forward, especially if they play in one of these close games again against the UAB, a La Tech in the, in the conference tournament. Like, free throws are going to matter. And UAB just shot the free throws worse today, which was kind of one of the biggest differences as well. That's the last infinity stone for this team. Yeah, just, just once they make like whenever they shoot like seventy five percent from the line, you're, you're just gonna like it's just the last one for them, and then they just snap their fingers and it's done. Um, I think like I don't have too much more like about the specific game. I think like big picture wise, um, I think there's two questions to be had here. Oh yeah. Do you, do you, I I mean the first is an automatic bid the opportunity for that. And I think that's where we can kind of start because going into this game, I honestly, I, I knew it was a big game and the loser was going to be eliminated from automatic big contention. Yeah. But if North Texas had lost, I would have been saying it's not the end of the world. Like, like in reality, the likelihood of them getting an automatic bid still at this moment feels slim. Yeah. However, they won the game. So now I have to, we have to ask the question, like if they win out Southern Miss, La Tech, UTSA, UTEP, and they go and they lose to UAB, let's say in the conference championship game, can they get in the, the NCAA tournament? I, I think the answer is probably yes at this point, to be honest with you. And I don't, I, it, like you said, it's still slim chances, but like, Especially it, it, a lot's going to depend, I think, on how much UAB's net rating falls after this one. And if this stays a quad one win, which I believe it is currently since UAB was top 50. Well, um, and so, it's on it's on the road. So, it, yeah, uh, I think for road games, it's top 75. Oh, OK, that that's great. Then it's definitely going to be a quad one win, which really helps. Um, so then, I mean, yeah, I think if they went out, lose to UAB in the conference championship game especially with the bubble not being particularly strong this year, I don't feel like. And the reputation North Texas has from last year making that upset win. I mean, I'm sure that stuff's like technically not supposed to play a factor, but I'm sure it's something that comes up at least. Like I, I could see a real shot at UNT getting an at-large bid at this point. 
you you bring up a good point because I think like even though it doesn't matter that last year's team won in a game in the NCAA tournament, it's still like it still proves the fact that and Conference USA has been doing this for a few years now. It still proves the fact that this team is lives up to the net rankings. It lives up to the Ken Palm rankings. It, yeah, it, they have a proof of evidence that this team is actually good. Like last year, we saw this team beat Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Well, this year's team is ranked higher in all these net ratings. So like. Are they better than last year's team? Like, and that's the big thing here is why I think we have to ask it, and I think why it actually has a viable chance of happening. Obviously, North Texas has to win its next what is that six games, four, and then two, and then yeah, because they'll have the bye. So yeah, they'd have to win yeah. six in a row and then lose in the title game. Yeah, in, in this scenario, which for that exact scenario to happen might be you know let's say twenty percent or something like that, but still, the net if they win six straight games. It's at 41 right now. Like you'd have to think they worked their way to like the top 30 or so. Yeah, I was going to say 30. Like there's a there's an easy case for top 30, I think at that point. To move yeah. up 11 spots in 6 games and that's like what, 3 4 weeks? Like if they get to top 30 and then lose and let's say that bumps them down to like 35, like last year I think I saw in a story, I think the top 42 and in, in, in net made yeah, they, they actually mentioned it on the broadcast uh during the game i believe they said the top 41 teams regardless all got in yeah so while i don't know obviously that's you know year by year basis sure if you're 35 in net something that the ncaa wants to kind of prioritize as being important that's going to be hard to leave them out it's going to be yeah. really really hard to leave them out especially with i mean their their strength of record and all the different things that you can throw in there. I mean, this is another quad. I mean, it's a, it's a quad one win for them. And I don't even know where like Drake is right now, but like, yeah, I'm Drake sure just upset Loyola Chicago today, I think. So they should be, you know, up there. Let's see if Drake. Let's see if um, but yeah, I was just to piggyback off what you're saying though. And I guess bring a little realism into it as well. Like, they can't slip up down the stretch with the, which is something like North Texas teams have done in the past, like 2019, 20, they clinched the title game, the regular season title against Western. And then they lose the last game to Charlotte last season. They lose their last three in a row to in conference, you know, split with Marshall and get swept by UAB. So there's precedent for this team, not being able to quite finish out the regular season the way they'd want to. And man, it, I mean, you still got to beat La Tech. You still got to beat a really good UTEP team the last game of the year that's going to be playing for potentially like a two or a three seed in the conference tournament if UAB and La Tech stay right around where they are. Like UTEP's got a tough finish to the schedule because they get middle UAB, Rice, and then UNT. But UTEP's probably going to be a pretty hungry team there in that last game. It's not going to be any walk in the park for UNT for sure. No, it's going to be very difficult. And I mean, you bring up a good point. They're going to have to... This changes things, right? For for me, because this whole this whole season in my head, and I don't want to speak for all of UNT fans or you. For me, it's been win the conference or win the conference tournament and make the NCAA tournament. Like that's always been the goal. Because if this team, in my head, I'm I've said on the podcast, if this team won a regular season conference championship and didn't make the NCAA tournament, I'm still looking at it as a, a tremendous success. If they only make the NCAA tournament, it's still a tremendous success. Like for what this team lost from last year and last two years to be in the position that they're in right now is not only unexpected by me, but it is incredibly impressive. So what, so I have to start changing my thinking because now you're right. They, now they can't lose if, yeah. if they're looking for an automatic bid because 
now they've won the conference. Like they haven't won it, but they are pretty much gonna win the conference championship. Like they got UTSA and Southern Miss on their schedule still. Um, they're gonna win the conference championship in yeah. the regular season. So I'm already content with this season. But now it changes. Now we have to be greedy. Now the team is obviously going to be greedy in that they have they can't lose. They cannot lose over the next six games. So that's going to change our approach, going to change the the pressure that, that this team is under because um, in those games that you mentioned, the Charlotte one, like you said, happened after they already won the championship. The last three last year, obviously they were playing hard and, and lost them, but there was no... I, I think there was a chance until they lost to Marshall to win the conf- to win the West, and La-, La Tech last year was just on a roll. So I don't I don't remember exactly, but yeah. Regardless, it's like this is the first time that they're going to be playing for something, you know, significant after the fact that they've kind of settled where they are. So that's what I'm interested to see moving forward. But you're right. I mean, to win all four is not going to be easy. You just, no, and then you still got to beat two hungry teams in the conference tournament too. Yeah. So even if it's like uh if they get a one, they'd get the West, they get the one of the worst teams from the East. So let's say they win that, but then you have to play um probably La Tech, the winner of like La Tech and FAU in the semi. Yeah, because it'd be what the West three? Yeah, West three and the East two. So FAU and La Tech most likely, let's say. Like that's gonna be very, very difficult. So yeah. Any, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Um this is very impressive, and this is a team that I think has firmly put itself in contention to be um, an automatic bid, which I was not ready to say at all before today. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I honestly, I didn't even like, like you were saying, I didn't really think it was that much of a possibility before this game. And then some of the build up to it, like the TV guys came on and do the, did their little intro thing. And it got me thinking about it. And I was like, hang on a second. Maybe, maybe this is like a legitimate chance if UNT can win this game. And lo and behold, I mean, they've got a real shot at it, even if it is, you know, still a long shot at this point. Um, I was going to say, unless you got anything else. I have one more, like, big picture thing. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Um, Because I brought it up on the podcast, last podcast we did, which at this point was a week and a half ago, I think, or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, I brought up on the uh, I actually went back and listened to it, where I was like, uh, I had, where I had one more thing to talk about, but I was like, we'll save it. You know what I mean? I said, we'll save it for another one. I mean, I I was going to ask two weeks ago, is this the best North Texas team of the McCasson era? Man. And now I ask it almost knowing the answer has to be yes at this point. But that feels wrong to say, considering what the like the thing is, each team, and I don't like if we just look, I don't want to compare them like who would win in a series or who would win if this team played. Yeah. I don't want to look at it that way. But like the different styles of every single team that they've had, like all of them play slow, of course. But the 2020 team was ranked 34th in the country in offense. Um, they shot the three well. They shot. <laughs> they were number 17 in the country from three. Number 18 oh, in the man. country from two. Number 20 in the country from the free throw line. Like you're talking Javion, Mo, Zach, Dangu, Thomas Bell, James Reese. Uh, Rose and DJ off the bench. Like that's an offensive juggernaut team right there. Yeah. Then last year, they struggled a little bit more in the regular season, but obviously hit their stride. And when they hit their stride, they were an excellent defensive team. They were still ranked 48th in the country in defense at the end of the year and 101st in offense. 
And when they hit their stride, you had Javion Hamlet at peak Javion Hamlet ability with James Reese better than the year before. Like um, Zach Simmons playing even better. Um, Abu coming off the bench. Like you had a great Ruben as well. We'll throw Ruben in the mix, even though he didn't play in the um, the tournament. I mean, and then this year you have Tyler Perry, Drez playing uh, with a little more, a little bit more freedom. Abu coming into his own. Uh, Thomas stepping up as well, JJ stepping up as well, um, and Aaron Scott's emergence. So it's like each one of them, and this year's team is ranked number 19 in defense at this point. It's actually gone up as we're doing the Holy cow. 19th best defense in the country according to Ken Palm. And I'm sure if you just looked at the, let me look at the the raw number here. Yeah, I mean, like they're number one in points allowed per game still, I would assume. Exactly. So... You got three very different groups here. I mean, at this point, I, I as far as just a regular season goes, this is the best team. This like 2019 didn't or 2020 didn't get to finish their season, so that's a little unfair to them. But they finished 14 and four. Uh, well, they finished the regular season rather. So I, I think you have to put this year. Like, there's a realistic chance they go 17 and one. Yeah, that's nuts. So what do you say, John? Oh man, can See, you say tough? It? Because honestly, I yeah, I and it feels weird because like obviously last year's team won an NCAA tournament game, but like even talking with people around the program, like there's a lot of people who believe the 2020 team was even better than that team was and could have gone and done the same thing if not more. Yep. To me, it's probably between that 2020 team just with all the talent they had and this team. Oh, man. And I I guess I probably do have to go with this team just because of what you said. Like, they've only lost one conference game so far. Obviously, everything could, you know, the train could go off the tracks these last four games. We don't see that happening, but there's a chance. But, man, I I feel like it's a tight race between the 2020 team and this one, to be honest. And that's insane because the 2021 team won won an NCAA tournament game. But, like, this is a team, this is a team the last three years, including this year, that has been – very capable of winning an NCAA tournament game against a top 25 team. Like there's just if, and again, they'll have to make an NCAA tournament this year, but like, if we're just looking at the regular season alone, like it's the highest they've ever ranked in the net. It's the highest they've ever been ranked in Ken Palm. Like I, I, there's nothing more to like say at this point. And while I think stylistically, it'd be a really weird matchup to see them play like Mo Gibson and Javion Hamlet. (laughs) I mean, I just, it would, this team just gets it done. They win games that they're like not supposed to win. And it's just because of like their defense and their grit. Whereas like 2020 team, you know, they they could lose some games here and there. So, um, but no, what a, what an interesting thought exercise that is. And that's the one place where I might be able to really make the strongest argument for this current team is like, even for that 2020 team, they couldn't quite find a way to get it done when they had some chances against really good teams in non-conference play. And this team, to their credit, they've been able to knock off Drake, which looks like a fantastic win now looking back. They've knocked off Wichita State, which maybe they weren't as good this year as they were supposed to be, but still a solid win. You know, knocked off Sam Houston and UMass, who are a couple of at least decent teams. UMass is obviously better than Sam Houston, but still. And then, like, I mean... These were the ones that were able to get sort of the curse lifted against UAB. I mean, 
they've checked all the boxes so far pretty much aside from if they would have won like two games at that ESPN tournament and, you know, not tripped up in that Buffalo game. I mean, I'm looking at it now, and this is not to disparage the 2020 team because this team was was great. I'm just looking oh, at yeah. it. Um, that 2020 team only had one win against a team, according to Ken Palm. Well, that was in Ken Palm's top 120. This year's team has, I'm counting right now in my head, five, I believe it is. Maybe six. Six. And then that doesn't even count FAU. So seven Dang. in the top 130. So, I mean, like, they, they've... This is an incredible, incredible, incredible win, um, incredible run that this team is on. Well, I tell you what, we've said it before, but I think it's worth saying again, like it, it's something that has to be appreciated while it's happening, because this kind of thing, especially at a place like North Texas, it's not the kind of thing that you can expect to just keep happening forever. Like it, it can't be overstated how special a season and how special a like last three year run they've been on, um, because it's like. It just it's unheard of at the mid-major level to be able to do stuff like this, where, like you said, I mean, they lose three starters from last year's team, three key pieces of that squad. And it's like they didn't miss a beat. They bring in, you know, one impact transfer and a freshman that's coming off the bench and just have all the returners step up in a big way. Like, it's not like this team like Tyler Perry is a huge addition and Aaron Scott's been, you know, significant. But like this team it's just ridiculous how they've been able to rebound. And there was a reason they were picked sixth in the preseason, even if it felt low, like genuinely, there was a lot of reasons for skepticism around this team before we saw them on the court. And still somehow they've found a way to be, you know, the best team in conference USA so far. And we'll see what the tournament ends up playing out, but just ridiculous how good they've been able to stay. Yep. No, uh, well said. I think that's that's all I had. Um, Middle Tennessee beat FAU today, so they're the number one team over there in the East. Uh, Western Kentucky is coming on strong. They've won seven straight. And um, so, yeah, the, the East is getting a little stronger as the year's gone on a bit. We were kind of making fun of them earlier, but maybe it's not a complete, you know, terrible division yeah not not quite the dumpster fire we thought it was i guess <laughs> and i mean middle tennessee played a really good game against north texas fau obviously did western played them close so i I'm, i do wonder a little if the records aren't quite as indicative of you know the kind of caliber of teams they are and some of it too is just the way north texas plays right like with the slow pace you're going to be in more close games which is obviously what they like because it gives you a little bit more of a ceiling against teams that maybe you shouldn't be as competitive with. It keeps you in games like that at times. Yeah. But yeah, Conference USA, it's it's shaping up to be a real fun tournament, man. It's going to yeah. be real interesting to see. I know I said, I tweeted out, I was like, man, North Texas needs to get the, the two, two, second in the West spot so that way they can play the East number one seed. But it might not matter as much. I mean, obviously, you want just just win the damn conference at this point. But yeah. Um, but it, it, at least the East is looking a little stronger, so that way maybe UAB has to go through, uh, you know, a challenging game in the in the second round, in the semis. I guess that'd be. Yeah. No, I hundred percent on that. Um, what a win, though! What a win! So that's that's all I got. If you got anything else? No, it was just crazy. I did want to shout out the UNT women real quick as well because they're on the come up now too. They've won six in a row. They beat UAB today, sixty-seven to sixty. It was a big game for Ali Gomez. I think she finished with like 17 points uh, after, you know, kind of struggling with a back injury for a little while here. UNT's won six in a row and all of a sudden tied for first in the CUSA West after the awful start that they had to conference play and sort of 
the middle part of that season where they kind of had a bit of a collapse. They, they've really turned it around here and they're playing good basketball at the right time. And they get Southern Miss and La Tech next week, who are two teams that are right in the thick of it there at the top of the West too. So yeah. the North Texas women have a real shot to go out and win the West, uh, you know, themselves as well and be in a good spot heading into the tournament. Yeah. I've been keeping track of them a little bit for the Dave Campbell's podcast. I do. So that's a good stretch for them. Cause I was, very pessimistic when they were started off like what were they two and six i think it was two and six and now they're eight and six yeah i think that sounds right so i was very pessimistic because i was like this team is way too talented to not be at least solid so i'm glad they glad they figured it out well and good for them being in i i listened to you and ish on the the texas uh 24 podcast and you guys mentioned how the cusa west has just been awful this year yes North Texas is getting to take advantage of that. So yeah. good on them for being able to do that because, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember you guys mentioning UTEP and UNT kind of being two of the teams that had underwhelmed on that side. And mm-hmm. UNT maybe finally rounding into that form that was expected preseason. Yep, about time. So good um, good for Jaylee Mitchell and them. 100%. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the box score so I can make sure I got that Gomez stat right. She did. So Ali Gomez finished with 17 points. Jazion Jackson had 16. Maddie Townley went for seven points and 12 boards, two blocks. Some really good games from them. And uh, even some bench players got in and had kind of an impact. Kendall Magruder ends up with six points. One of nine shootings, not great. But, you know, they all came together as much as they needed to and got the job done against a UAB team that, was leading the division, I believe, coming into this one. If it wasn't – no, it was Southern Miss was leading the division. UAB was tied there in the middle, and Southern yeah. Miss lost and helped everybody out. So real tight there at the top of the West. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely monitor that uh, moving forward because the women's season ends before the men's, right, the regular season? Does it? I, I think it's the same – I think it's the same days. See, I Because I, I think the women still all – they have four games left as well. The LSU only has three games left. So I'm trying to figure out how this works in my head. Yeah, LSU <laughs> only has three games left, 20th, 24th, 27th. When's okay. the North Texas last game? The UNT's got 24th, 26th, the third, and the fifth. Wait, 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 wait. No, the third and the fifth, are they, are those not the tournaments? No, the, nah, the CUSA tournament's not until the 8th through the 12th. Interesting. Why? Yeah, the SEC Women's Tournament. Sorry to get off this rant. SEC Women's Tournament is the third through the sixth. Man, that's real early because then Selection Sunday is not till like that 13th anyway. Huh. That's weird. But okay. Well, now we know. Now you know, everybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the crossover North Texas and SEC fans that are listening to go. this podcast. We got <laughs> you guys covered. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, if that's all you had, I guess we can go ahead and wrap up, man. Yep. Go go ahead. We're all good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to uh, what was an exciting podcast to get to do. I still feel like I got the adrenaline running through my veins a little bit from that crazy North Texas finish. The call, by the way, on the TV was just outstanding. I don't remember the name of the guy who was calling it, but he did just an awesome job, you know, capturing the energy of the moment, but then letting it speak for itself, too. Just yeah, a really did. great call. Yeah, he did the uh, well. I mean, they always do the sta- that stadium duo. Obviously, does everything. So it's like, for whenever Drez hit that three in the conference tournament last year, like when Javion hit that, like he just he they do everything. It feels it feels like every North Texas major moment is like on stadium <laughs> somehow, like tournament or otherwise. So it's always those guys, and so credit to those guys. I don't know their name, but I like the stadium broadcast a lot. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it just from the start of the broadcast, that was like my major takeaway from it was just like, th this is like the best broadcast crew North Texas is going to get unless they're on like ESPN or yeah, I guess you could make an argument for the CBS sports guys too, but yeah, it's definitely better than ESPN plus. You know, yeah, no doubt about that one. Well, ESPN Plus, like, just takes the home radio guys and puts them on there. So, like, you know, Kyle Humans and um, Day, uh, Hank, whoa, God, I can't remember. Hank, Hank Dickinson. Dickinson. Yeah. Wow, man, Hank. I hope Hank doesn't listen to this. Jesus. <laughs> I forgot his name. Um, They do a great job. Oh, yeah. So, credit to them. But, like, everybody else, if we go, like, the FAU one was just, like, FAU, they were just praying FAU pulled out the win. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, now, now that we've bored everyone to death with our broadcaster talk to, thanks everybody for tuning in. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247. Follow Matthew at MatthewBruni underscore. Follow me at JohnFieldZero. And we'll catch you guys in the next one.